Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Customers come to expect fast delivery of anything on earth from Amazon, and our job is to continue to make that happen. Other big retailers are also spending a lot to keep up with the fast shipping expectations Amazon has created. In a world gone haywire, sometimes art is the only thing that can make sense of it all. Let me put it this way. We want what we want, and we want it when we want it. And usually we want it now. That's Ben Fountain, the award-winning author of Billy Flynn's Long Halftime Walk, and most recently, Beautiful Country Burn Again, a reported narrative of the 2016 presidential election. And this is The Chronicles of Now, where we ask writers to dream up short stories inspired by the news. I'm Ashley Ford. People's consumer behavior is going through a lot of changes. While some head to the stores to stock up on groceries and household items, others prefer to stay in the safety of their homes. Amazon is seeing a surge in demand as many people turn to online ordering to get supplies during this outbreak. In the COVID-19 era, online shopping has accelerated. And that means convoys of vans, FedEx, UPS, USPS, have been snaking through our neighborhoods, leaving packages to pile up on our doorsteps, mirroring our mounting fears over what's coming next. What the country, our lives, our families might look like in the years to come. What sacrifices we'll be asked to make. For would-be autocrats around the world, any chance to secure ever more iron-fisted control of their country is a good thing. And the coronavirus pandemic is quite an opportunity. We feel like we have no control over these things. Corporate decisions, government decisions, these things that affect us on the local level and individual level, they are decided far away by powerful people who do not answer to us. 
And so this moment of crisis and all those delivery vans gave Ben Fountain an idea for this week's story. There were as many trucks as ever. But now they took things away. FedEx, Amazon, UPS, they all did their part. But more often it was the boxy white Mercedes vans with the high roofs that had started showing up in the latter years of the boom. Plain white, no company name, no snappy logo on the side, which in our hyper-branded times might have briefly struck us as odd. And then they blended into the landscape of everything else. We didn't know how good we had it. Did we? It was so easy, and how quickly we became used to it. The couple of keystrokes that produced the modern miracle of that package on our doorstep in three to five days, then two, the next day if we were willing to pay for it, and ultimately, how did they do it same day? Packages, packages, thousands and millions of packages pouring out from what were once called warehouses, but now went by the name Fulfillment Center, a neat sleight of hand that appealed to our higher nature. Supply chain magic was about so much more than crass materialism. And honestly, that's often how we felt. Fulfilled in a not negligible way. Amid the non-stop sales job of modern life, We were constantly being admonished not to put our faith in material things. And we tried, most of us, and mostly, we succeeded. We were not shallow people. The things in our packages weren't just, well, things. They were, how to put this, content, structure, emotion part of the necessary human fabric of our lives. The legalities were never made entirely clear to us, but that was true of many things. Life changed so fast, so drastically, that not everything about special measures could be adequately explained. And anyway, we were too frazzled and generally panicky to process more than the general drift. Recovery, it was called, or recovery operations. The country was in crisis. The economy imperiled. Somehow the country and the economy had become one and the same. The whole thing was really quite astonishing. The white van would pull up in front of our house at the most inconvenient time. Early morning when we were hustling to get the kids off to school, or evening when we were cooking dinner or checking homework, or had settled in at the kitchen table to grind our teeth over the ever-rising stack of bills. And there they'd be at the front door. Two burly recovery techs in their dark uniforms, pants and jackets if it was winter, shorts and short-sleeved shirts in summer, 
and always a third tech standing out by the van, watching. Unfailingly polite they were, soft-spoken, sympathetic, and huge. The entire cadre seemingly recruited from the ranks of former college and professional football players. They had clipboards, reams of fine print paperwork, and boy did they know their business. It was always quite specific, what they'd come for, always one particular thing. A lamp, the gas grill, electronics, cookware, and, this was the truly unnerving part, they knew exactly where it was. The psychological effect of that should not be underestimated. A giant standing in your doorway, describing the color, make, and model of an item in your house, and when you'd bought it, from whom, and for how much, and its precise location. Shock and awe, call it, and naturally we'd be standing there wondering what else they knew about us. Meanwhile, they'd gotten past the door without us really knowing how. Well, they'd been trained, obviously. Posture, demeanor, tone of voice, they all worked a kind of syncope or hypnosis on us. No doubt the great advances in data collection and behavioral science that had been used so deftly to get us to buy were now being deployed for the opposite, to get us to relinquish, not covet, to want less, accept less. We quickly learned that calling the cops was futile. They wouldn't come except to detain us because we'd resisted, become hysterical or even physical. There were rumors of occasional shootouts, but look, most of us just wanted to get on with our normal lives as much as possible. Pain was everywhere. Those who could least afford it. Real hardship, real suffering. It was there every night on the news. So was it really so terrible? Living without those 800 thread count sheets? That lovely Danish modern chest of drawers? A few activists kicked up a fuss about consumer rights. But rights, as it turned out, existed only in politics. As consumers, we were in the realm of commerce and markets. And markets, we were told, had their own immutable laws. At night, lying in bed, they hardly ever took beds, we reflected that we'd done everything the country had asked of us. But it had not been enough. We worked, paid our taxes, obeyed the laws, raised and educated our children the best we knew how, and always paid at least the minimum on our credit cards. All this, and still, it had not been enough. Sacrifice and self-discipline were now the order of the day. For how long? No one knew. We did miss our things, of course. Some we genuinely grieved for, those few precious things that were keyed to our souls, our truest selves. Others we missed for a while, and maybe we'd rage silently at the invasion of our homes and the humiliating injustice of it all. But in time the memories faded, and we forgot them. These minor things. Though even these could surface in our minds at random moments, a favorite plaid sweater they'd taken away, a classic cocktail set, and we'd feel a pang. As if these things were parts of ourselves we'd lost, 
Not the main part, surely. Weren't we bigger than that? And yet... The loss... That was Rules of Special Measures by Ben Fountain. The narrator was Eduardo Ballerini. Ben, one of the things that stood out to me, the conspicuously unbranded white van. It's one of those things that's creepy because it's too clean, like a Stepford wife. I like that a lot, the Stepford van. (laughs) You know, come to think of it, I've never seen a dirty one. And purposely designed not to draw attention to themselves. It's like, oh, don't mind us. We don't even have a flashy logo to draw attention to ourselves. It's so terrifying. You don't ask about the white van and just hope the white van's not coming for your things. So it's almost like Russian roulette, Mm. right? Is the van going to stop at my house and is it going to take away or is it going to deliver? And by the way, that's a great way to divide people. Mm -hmm. If it was an entire block or an entire city, people might get the notion that, hey, we can stand together and put up some meaningful resistance. But it's when it's just piecemeal, that's when we're weak. The spookiest part of the story is that they know precisely where our stuff is. Like, we're talking to each other on Zoom right now, and if someone was eavesdropping on this stream, they'll see precisely where some of my stuff is. Are we just stupid to let companies know so much about us? Yes. (laughs) We've given too much of ourselves away in the pursuit of convenience and pleasure and instant gratification. I grew up when Sears Roebuck was the only place you sent away to get stuff. And it took six to eight weeks to arrive at your house. And talk about delayed gratification. It just seems to me in my little moral universe, all this convenience will have to be paid for at some point. The narrator of the story is making a concerted effort to just live their life. Even though strange people are showing up, carting away their things, they're making accommodations to the new normal, which is a phrase we are hearing a lot these days. I feel like every day someone's talking about the new normal. What is your story telling us about the human propensity for adaptation? Well, in this particular story, the adaptation is, oh, just don't bother me too much. Don't take too much from me, and I won't make a fuss. And I know so many people have it worse than me. You know, just don't be too hard on me, and I'll go along peacefully. And, and I think American society in the last 40 years has become a very obedience-oriented society. And it punishes you financially and in all other kinds of ways if you don't go along. I have to say one of the things that's really heartened me in the course of the last six weeks is the fact that a lot of people aren't going along. They're kicking up a fuss about, you know, most notably George Floyd's murder. And that is an appropriate fuss, an appropriate example of disobedience. And I think we need more of that spirit in our society. I'm inclined to agree with you. One line that really struck me 
is somehow the country and the economy had become one and the same. Do you think that that's where we are or closer and closer to where we are in the United States? Oh, I think it's absolutely where we are. Uh, yes, we have government and we, we, and we have neighbors who we care for and there's love and there's altruism and all that. But ultimately, it's really all about economics. You saw this demonstrated when the closing started to happen. Right. And people like my lieutenant governor here in Texas was basically willing to sacrifice human lives on the altar of the economy. You know, we aren't so much a country anymore in the minds of a critical mass of our citizens. We're an economy that happens to have a country attached. Mm. And we are taxpayers and consumers as opposed to citizens and neighbors. And so there's been a paradigm shift in our collective thinking, and I think it's very dangerous. Do you think we can go back? Yes. I do think we can go back. I think shifting from that paradigm to a more humane and open-minded and generous-spirited paradigm, it will probably take a massive shock to the collective system. Is this not enough? I thought 2008 was going to be it. But it certainly seems like we have the ingredients of a perfect storm for an existential crisis. That's probably what it would take for us to shake up our thinking. Ben, thank you so much for your time here today. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, and I've loved your story. Thank you, Ashley. It's been a pleasure. You can read my full interview with Ben Fountain on our website, chronicles.fm where you can also read Rules of Special Measures and other short fiction torn from today's headlines. The sound designer and composer is Bart Warshaw. The producer is Curtis Fox. The associate producer is Emily Rostick. Tyler Cabot is the executive producer and founder of Chronicles of Now. For Pushkin Industries, special thanks to Lital Malad and Jacob Weisberg. For the Chronicles of Now podcast, I'm Ashley Ford. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, I almost wonder if traffic's being, for some reason, rerouted onto my street because it's a lot. Oh, it's a van. It's a big, it's a big white van. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.